You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. Hi, this is DJ Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto. And of course, I'm accompanied by my brother from another mother and DJ partner in crime, who you don't want to feed lentils very often, The Wasteland. Who, uh, if you do, will turn your apartment into a wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Just give 40, there's a 45 minute countdown and then it's trouble. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Although that incident did lead to me buying a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> this podcast could be sponsored by Tushy, the, Tushy. B- the, the bidet company. <laughs> anyway, we're just goofing around. Wash your ass so you don't have to wash the toilet as much. Well, silliness aside, uh today's topic I hesitated on quite a bit because I didn't really feel like I was a good authority to discuss it. But we wanted to talk about mental health on this week's episode. We also wanted to bring up neurodivergence. Now, the term neurodivergent describes people whose brain differences affect how their brain works. It's different strengths and challenges from people's brains who don't have these conditions. The possible differences include medical disorders, learning disabilities, and some other conditions. So some of the conditions that are most common among those who describe themselves as neurodivergent, of course, include uh, ASD or autism spectrum disorder. Now, some people will refer to a specific aspect of this as Asperger's. We're going to encourage you to never call it that because that name actually comes from uh, Dr. Asperger, who was a Nazi social scientist and used that term to uh, classify people as undesirable. So don't do that. Fair. Of course, there's uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, as it's more commonly referred to, which is the uh, disorder that is a lot more about executive function and abilities, a person's inability to sometimes focus or interact with the world around them that is named by people who don't have it. So it's called the trouble sitting still disorder. (laughs) You're going to see a pattern here with a lot of these things are named by other people and how it affects them. Right. Of course, there's uh, Down syndrome. Now, having not dealt with that personally or been relatively close to somebody with Downs, I can't really give a lot of insight on that one. Yeah, that's fair. Other, Other conditions would include dyslexia, which is a difficulty with reading. Uh, because letters get reversed. I know my siblings tend to have dyslexic tendencies. There's also dyspraxia, which is difficulty with coordination, and dyscalculia, which is a difficulty with math and numbers. Other mental health conditions that also kind of fall into neurodivergence are bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, borderline personality disorder, and others. Um, There's sensory processing disorders, uh, social anxieties, and Tourette's syndrome. Now, a lot of these can also be kind of comorbid. So anybody who has one of them is likely to have one or two other things going on because of it. Yeah. Uh, That's the world we live in. Now, overall, I I was straying away from this topic because I just, I I don't want to peg our scene as, as sort of this 
clump of folks who are all sorts of problems. Uh, and I don't believe that goths have any more or less neurodivergence than the general public. Uh, it's just that what we've found is that discussing it is less stigmatized within our circle. Yeah, but I would almost gamble that being a collection of outcasts, that mental health issues are a little bit more prevalent than we know, um, because not everybody's going to walk up to you and introduce themselves by their disorder. Uh, I certainly don't, but uh, at times it is certainly evident. <laughs> I, as somebody with ADHD, I tend to squirrel brain pretty quickly, which is why if you start talking to me when I'm DJing, I will oftentimes go, oh, fuck, and then just slam in the next song because I just heard the last one ending. <laughs> yeah, that distractibility, uh, for sure, for sure. But I think what it is about the goth scene and, and mental health as well, it's, it's less stigmatized and what draws a band of misfits together is definitely in the music. There have been various studies that show listening to sad music can really actually make you feel happy uh, because depression is also another comorbidity that can happen alongside any of the disorders that we've mentioned. And the thing about being depressed is it's not like being sad. It's It, it can be a very debilitating condition where you aren't able to function, not able to get out of bed or do very basic activities like just taking care of yourself, like eating and showering and that kind of stuff. And if anything, throughout the pandemic, a lot of these conditions have amplified for a lot of people and it's made it a lot worse. With the world kind of shutting down as well, it's been hard for people to access help. So things have been pretty messy. Yeah, to that fact. Depression for me, as somebody who struggled with it forever, listening to sad music can either let me work through it or at times just let me feel not so alone. Especially if you could hear a song that is about the particular thing that's bugging you right then or that you could at least draw that parallel to. You know, there's somebody else out there that's experiencing or has experienced something that you are currently going through. And that is in itself healing almost because yeah. you know it's like a band-aid you know it it doesn't do a whole lot but it's it's enough comfort to make you feel like it's not going to get worse at least for a little bit yeah that's actually a really good point being less alone in whatever it is that's that's troubling you uh is definitely a healing factor and the fact that you don't have to get into a big explanation about why you do the things you do. I think I also just get really frustrated with people who make their condition their personality and they use it in a way that just kind of justifies their shitty behavior. It's like, well, I have this. So uh, 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 and it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, there are people I've noticed there. There are two types of people who have um their struggles. There are people who are going to use it as a motivational tool to either be better and exist in the world and try to get as far as they can despite it. And then there are people who are going to use it as a shield. And whenever something goes wrong, they'll be like, well, I have this. You can't yell at me. And I, I, as I said, I used to, I traveled in nerd cultures and I did live action games and I wrote and I had one guy who kept saying, well, I have ADHD and I'm deaf in one ear, so you can't blame this on me. I'm like, congratulations, I'm ADHD and I'm deaf in one ear, so get over it. <laughs> Do better. Uh, you know, it's, it's, don't, don't come to me with that because 
it doesn't it doesn't bring give me pity for you. It actually just makes me angry that you're using it that way as somebody who has similar things. Absolutely. Like, congratulations. You, you know, if you're going to pick two things and those are the two things and I have those two things, you know, congratulations. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm doing better than you. What's your problem? I just I get really tired of people's excuses for things. So, I mean, there's definitely different ways to navigate through these disorders, whether it's through medication or therapy or whatever it is that uh, whatever kinds of habits that you can create to help you function. Or just not using it as a crutch. But yes, not using it as a crutch. That's exactly it. I know so many people that are open about their struggles and they... You know, they, they'll have their moments. We all have our moments, but they're not actively using it as a crutch every time something goes wrong. They'll let you know, hey, I'm not in a good place right now. I can't really deal with this. But and that's fair. Yeah. You know, that happens from time to time to all of us, um, whether or not you struggle. Every every person has that moment where they're like, I, I, not right now. No. Yeah. People are allowed to have bad days. And I think with mental health, it's just really tricky because because it's not visible, people don't yeah. understand or they don't really think it's a problem. Like, well, you don't seem like you have blah, 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 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's just as much bullshit as when people don't get up and give up the seat for somebody who's obviously struggling, no matter their age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Anyway. You want to drop a song Do we want to drop in a song? <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> you read Jinx. my mind. Yeah, let's do it. So as a music podcast... We have a song that we wanted to drop in here. Because it's very on topic, both lyrically and sonically, we're going to drop in Spectrums from Stoneburner. Strange one. It's a mutation. 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 It's a strange one. Mutation. 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 It's a strange one. Mutation. 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 It's a strange one.
So in discussing this with each other, part of what we wanted to do to help destigmatize this is talk about our own uh, struggles and a little bit, not maybe not give away too much personal detail um, because that just gets gory. Nobody needs to know all of that. But TMI, um, yeah. neither one of yeah TMI. You know, nobody wants to know certain things about people they don't know, and we get that. And neither of us are really looking for sympathy out of this. We're just trying to. Hopefully, somebody out there is struggling and hears this, and much like that Band-Aid from the music, it'd be like, hey, there's more people out there like me. So they don't feel so alone. Absolutely. Who do you want to go first? Well, why don't you go ahead and take this on first, because you were diagnosed as a child. I was diagnosed probably about 10 or 11 years old, when ADHD was still very much a controversial diagnosis. And because of that... uh. My parents decided they didn't want to medicate me or tell me I had a diagnosis, which because of the time period, uh, they didn't know what to do with me. So I was labeled emotionally disturbed and sent to a school for um, autistic children. And then and that so I wrote a short bus to school so I can make short bus jokes. You can't. Um, I, I had the short bus pick me up at my house. I was that kid. And then I did that until I was older. And then they realized that they didn't, I didn't really fit the, the type of school for the autistic kids anymore. So, but they didn't because, uh, districts at that time got more money for sending people there. So what they did was they put me in a school for juvenile delinquents and kids just getting out of rehab until about halfway through high school. Um, it took me, and this also labeled me as learning disabled, which, uh, yeah, ADHD has its learning difficulties, but I wasn't learning disabled. In fact, when I got back to my regular high school, I made high honor roll two quarters in a row, which in my school, you had to have a 91 average across all classes. So, you know, but it took me until senior year of high school to shed the, uh, those what you would call it the uh, special education label so that w- which was pretty cool i mean it was senior year of high school and uh, i was two weeks in and they were like hey congrats we're taking away your special education label i'm like yeah that's great i get to graduate with a regular diploma and they're like yeah as long as you take a language class because you need that to graduate new york state oh when you're not yeah you don't need that when you're special ed and i had no idea so in my senior year of high school i took a year of latin because i didn't have to speak it and I had no other language background anyway. 
So everybody else in my high school, if you went into like freshman French or Spanish, you took a year of it already in middle school. Huh. So I really only had one option if I wanted to pass. So I took Latin. Interesting. See, I went to high school in New Jersey and the requirement for graduation was you needed to take two years of a foreign language. I took Latin as a freshman and as a sophomore because I found it really interesting and because it's the root of words. It's the root of our language. So that's why I got really drawn into taking it. And then I ended up taking German junior and senior year just because I love language and uh, because all the best music is German and I needed that under my belt. Thank you, Einster Neubauten. But a lot of people strayed away from taking Latin because they considered it the hardest thing, the hardest language to learn. So everybody, in order to fulfill their language requirement, ended up taking Spanish because they thought Spanish was easy. Which Latin is not easy because... Sentence structure is exactly backwards from English. Uh, (laughs) You know, we go subject and then predicate, and they go predicate, then subject. So that was one of the biggest things. That and they gender everything. So Latin is not trans-friendly. Sorry. Because they literally will gender everything. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Yeah. So I didn't get told I had a diagnosis for ADHD or depression until I was 30. And by the time I was old enough to seek those things out for myself, I wasn't financially stable enough because for various reasons, I needed to um, get out of New York and away from certain people. And that meant working full time. And I, because undiagnosed ADHD is not very conducive to college, because as Laura can tell you, whenever we build one of these episodes, she will write out notes and I'm terrible at it because notes and structure is not my thing, but winging it and getting through totally is my thing. I think on my feet, like faster than a lot of people, I can plan broad strokes ahead of time so I know where I'm going so I can think on my feet when I get there. But if you need me to sit down and write like five sentences about what we want to do for a podcast, I'm going to kick and scream and punch and fight and spit and everything. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, no, that is 100% accurate. So, you know, I did not do well in college and that is why I am a retail monkey. (laughs) Well, see, that's funny because then on my side, I was diagnosed with combination ADHD just before the pandemic hit, so fairly late in life. And it was both a relief and it was kind of crushing to get that diagnosis because I thought, oh, great, this all makes sense. All of my behaviors make sense of why I do the things I do. But at the same time, I was like, fuck, my brain is broken. That sucks. And then you start falling down the rabbit hole, learning more about ADHD and what it is and and some of the really like frustrating, depressing kind of shit is that they find that people with ADHD are 30% more likely to end up with dementia and Alzheimer's later in life which is probably the most terrifying thing to me ever because losing your mind just does not sound like the the, the journey I want to go on. So uh, shit like that is just scary. But I find that I'm pretty high functioning and it's a masking thing. 
I've masked what I've what I how I deal with stuff very very well. I, when I talked to my parents about this, they were like, "Well, no, you you can't have ADHD because you're really smart." And I think the diagnosis for girls and women tends to be much more difficult because women are better at masking and being able to function, behave, and present in society as quote-unquote normal, whatever normal is. And part of that goes to how society raises different genders, too. And I'm going to say society as a whole because some parents are different. But, you know, boys are... The boys will be boys mentality allows boys to get away with acting out to a certain point. And then, you know, as you get older and there's there's a footnote along the way here and I forget I forget what the source is on this, but boys tend to be a little bit more aggressive with the ADHD because they don't it's it's just how society kind of raises boys versus girls even sure. in the media and everything. Sure. So, having if I had the knowledge I do now, I did boxing when I was 16, I did judo and jiu-jitsu in my 20s. And then I did, you know, like a lot of full contact, like SEA combat. So I've got my bell run more than a few times. And those are things that can ex- accelerate and exacerbate dementia as well. So I may have made d- different decisions, but I also had a lot of energy that I had nowhere else to put. And that was a healthy outlet for me because... You work retail, you can't just haul off and scream at somebody. But if you could work retail and then go put on armor and beat the crap out of people for three hours, you know, you feel a lot better about yourself at the end of it. Yeah. And studies have shown that getting regular exercise has a big impact on folks with ADHD. It's it's like having a dog. Um, You, you have a Great Dane. Great Dane's going to lay around a lot. It's a big Big stupid dog, but they're so lovable. But if you have like a border collie and you don't walk that border collie, border collies can destroy your house because border collies gonna get fucking bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the we're the Jack Russell Terrier border collie people. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's three different kinds of ADHD. There's Type A, uh, which I believe is the uh, the hyperactivity part, the I can't sit still part. And then there's type B, which is the can't focus part. And then there's the combo platter, which is you have trouble focusing, you suffer from executive dysfunction, and you can't sit still. So I've definitely got the combo platter of those things because I'm a big fidgeter. And um, yeah, and, and I have a really tough time trying to focus. And I've built up all sorts of different habits to help me better uh, to help me better perform, to help me better manage through my life because yeah. I require organization, but I myself am highly disorganized. Same. <laughs> I think I'm also combo. Like I said, I didn't I didn't find out I was diagnosed until my mom got drunk one night and told me a bunch of things that she never told me and then lit would later on gaslight me and tell me she never told me that. So Jesus. <laughs> so I but I believe I do display the the combination like 
you know me well enough. I can't sit still. <laughs> I will have random bursts of energy here and there. Like, I, I think I'm a combination, but I don't know that for certain. Yeah, and it's tough because diagnosis is so expensive. I mean, we're lucky in various ways that we are here in Canada where there is a healthcare system in place that allows you to go to the doctor. But for whatever reason, Ontario has decided that your eyes, teeth, and brain are not part of your body. So, They're luxury organs. Right, right. Those rich, uh, rich people bones. Well, that's your teeth, but the rest of them are luxury organs. Truly, truly. Because, <laughs> I mean, Americans are like, well, Canadian healthcare, and yes, Canadian healthcare is a step above American healthcare, but at the same time, your vision is not covered by OHIP, your teeth are not covered by OHIP, and mental health is not covered by OHIP. And getting diagnosed with ADHD is an expensive process. There are a couple different clinics that specialize in ADHD, and you can go for an assessment but assessments will cost you like two grand. Yeah, they'll cost you a pretty penny. And then you got to wait weeks and weeks for results. And meanwhile, you're just kind of struggling. Yeah. You know, so we have good. We don't have best. Correct. I agree. That That's, that's just it. Because I mean, and not to get on the political side, but here's where it's terrifying that uh, our Premier Ford is trying to privatize healthcare and kind of go more the route of American healthcare, which would be just devastating to so many people. It's it's not the right solution. I, you know what? I gotta I gotta I gotta jump in here and I'm gonna squirrel a bit. But to to say don't not to make it political. I'm sorry. This is political. <laughs> Everything in your life is fucking political, people. Everything because if you don't care about politics, guess what? Those people care about you, and they're the ones who decide how much you can make, how much you pay in taxes, how much your fucking transit costs, and whether or not you could get your brain looked at. These are all political issues. Stop being stupid. I'm sorry. That was my rant. No, no. You know what? That's totally valid because, I mean, if folks are so burdened down with how bad the economy is or how little you're making because minimum wage is not a livable wage and all sorts of things like that. If you're bogged down with your day-to-day just trying to keep your head above water, it's harder to keep track of what's going on in the world and how you know the forces above are doing really nefarious things. Right. But if you're not going to pay attention to politics, your landlord will, your boss will, and everybody else who controls all those outside factors that are bringing you down will. It is worth at least fucking picking your head up during voting season and just educating yourself a little bit, please. Yeah, yeah. No, it's important to keep track of shit. And it's not an easy thing to do when you get overburdened. But at the same time, seeing more coverage over the fucking queen dying versus women being killed in Iran for not wearing a hijab properly. Yeah, I, I've I've had an insane work week. I've I've tangentially seen what's going on because there's no coverage. There is none. We're we're not in Iran, so uh, fuck them, right? Right, something like that. And then that's not my opinion, but that's what it feels like. You know, oh look, this this 96 year old woman died. It's such a tragedy. She was 96. You're gonna die at 96. <laughs> That and there's Not just, very soon. There's just <laughs> such an irony in folks who are part of the orange shirt, every child matters, you know, thinking about indigenous rights, and then all of a sudden going, oh, but the queen. It's like, fuck you. Fuck your monarchy. Are we done playing this? I just squirreled us both. Yeah, um. we totally squirreled. Let's come back. So okay. let me ask you a question. As far as your current state, you, you know that you have ADHD. 
what, how do you deal with this? What are your treatment options? So I did, thanks, thanks to uh, my lovely ex-wife, um, I did um, take uh, CBT, which does give me some things in my toolbox. And I do find that doing certain things in pattern from day to day gets me through my day, which actually, I work retail. I've said this multiple times. And one of the benefits of this is when I close up the store, I have become so ritualistic and patternistic in it that my team finds me the best person to close with because I keep everything on schedule because it's my schedule. And whatever it is, if it starts to go wrong, I know how to handle it and I know how to get it back on track. And they all know what part they're supposed to play based upon where I put them at the beginning of their shift because I am so rote repetitive and structured um, due to the CBT that uh, they they love it because you know I don't go off track as much as the other managers who aren't ADHD. Well, I suspect one of them is, but anyway... And by CBT, I do mean uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, not cock and bull torture. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, because that's always <laughs> where my mind goes whenever I hear CBT. And I'm like, cock and ball torture. Yeah, that gets me through my day. I lock my shit up and go to work. <laughs> <laughs> what about meds? I am on uh, uh, antidepressant that is also known to hit anxiety and light ADHD stuff. Um, for me, my depression seems to be the hardest thing to control. So, and I do, I am one of those people with the comorbid anxiety and and depression. It's just I think I can mask my anxiety pretty well because I tend to go out and be social um, at times. Although then there was last night where somebody just messaged me and they were like, "Hey, you were at that show? I didn't know you were at that show." How did I not see you? Folks, we were at a bar that maybe holds 50, 60 people. And <laughs> I've already gotten two or three messages of, I didn't see you at this show. <laughs> it's funny when you kind of tuck away and... Uh... Put a mask on and sit in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> Although... And then just... Oh, look, the bar, the, the band's done, split. <laughs> Although it's really hard to talk in a club anyway. So unless you want somebody spitting in your ear or whatever. Well, I was spitting into my mask and so were you. So Valid. <laughs> so, uh, and just for anybody wondering who we might have seen, we saw the foreign resort last night. And I highly suggest that you do. And Haypax. And Haypax, who I didn't really know before last night. And I wasn't even sure how I could pronounce their name correctly. Well, you did it. Yep. All right. Go see them. We're squirreling again. Yeah. I wanted to bring up that, yeah, I tried going on meds and they didn't work for me. For some reason, I thought that taking legal meth would be like this magical pill that would solve shit and that I would all of a sudden have focus. And I started on a low dose and slowly worked my way up until about halfway of like the the, the limit of what you can take. And it just made everything worse because then I couldn't sleep. Yeah. And and some people do react that way. Some people, meds, meds aren't for everybody, right? I mean, I know I used to self-medicate with a lot of coffee, like a lot more coffee than I drink now. And it's not that I, I'll have like coffee at the beginning of my day now before work. And that's about it. But I used to be like every two hours, I got to go get a cup of coffee. Hmm. So yeah. And yeah, I've never actually medicated my ADHD specifically because I, I think I've reached a point where I have some good habits. I could use more good habits. I think we we all can. Oh, for sure. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> I have an ADHD so. coach and I work on creating all sorts of habits all the time. When I'm sitting at my desk, when I'm doing my live stream, 
people might notice that I have sticky notes in the background on the wall. And what those sticky notes are all about is that's how I keep track of things, of how and what I need to do. There's a a technique, because I work in tech, there's a a technique that's frequently used uh, called Kanban, where you set up a board and you have a backlog of tasks that need to be done. And then as you need, as they, as you need to do them, you can move them into a to-do column. As they're in progress, you can move them into that next column of here's all the stuff that's in progress. And then when you're finished, you take that task and you move it into the final column of this is complete. Uh, in, in tech land, that would be, hey, this is now ready for code review kind of stuff. Right. So, but what I do is, yeah, I have all my backlog and I color code tasks that need to be done are on yellow stickies and stuff that I need to do to relax because relaxing is really hard. Uh, they're on blue notes so that I can remind myself uh, things that'll work for me, like, hey, go do some yoga or go get some exercise, take a walk and, and burn that extra energy off. Or if I need an opportunity to just relax, one of my things is painting my nails. Because if I have to sit down and give myself a manicure and paint my nails, that means I have to sit still and leave all alone and just relax. Because if I start touching things and moving around, then I'm going to screw up my, my nail polish. So that's like my forced relaxation. And uh, yeah, I move my sticky notes from one side of the wall to the other. And then when they actually get accomplished, I pull them off and throw them in the trash. And I find that to-do lists, having things written down and being able to cross them off as you do them is also incredibly helpful as someone with ADHD. I am almost exactly the opposite because I don't have a desk. I don't get to work at a desk. I have to move around a lot. I work in a very large format retail store and um, a lot of the things I have to do are all over the place. So I'm better at, as I said, working on the fly and keeping, keeping track of things in my head. In fact, to the point where one of my struggles is object permanence, where if I put things down, I will forget where I put it. Yeah. Nine times, unless it's in the same spot. Like every day when I come back from lunch, I plug in my phone to charge it for at least an hour or two because it's it's on its way to dead and won't make it home. I won't be able to listen to music. So, but if I put my phone down, and this has happened twice in the last two weeks, it's like I walk into the washroom and um, one of the things we have is we have the self-checkout and you have to have this barcode to scan in and do manager's thing. So I don't lose it. Mine is on the inside of my phone wallet flap. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so so I have my phone in my hand all the time. Great. Phone's in my hand so I can get to things and all that. And every once in a while, I'll do things like go in a bathroom and set it down. Forget it there. Awesome. Somebody turns in a lost phone to the point where the other managers in the store all know it's my phone now. That's happened twice in like the last two weeks. But that's the type of thing like, like you know, if, if, if I don't put it in my pocket when I'm on, walking in the washroom, it's probably getting left there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, folks with ADHD tend to be a little bit more accident prone. So putting in care, making sure that you are focused on what it is that you're doing and taking care of this at this time is is largely challenging. But then we also have the flip problem, which is hyper focus, especially if I am curating a, a music set and getting ready to DJ and working out how I want things to mix together. I could be listening to music and all of a sudden four hours go by and I don't know how that happened. 
And this happens to me too, but this happens to me when DJing, which is why I'm probably less in, uh, entertaining to watch on Twitch than you are, because I tend to focus on my laptop. And then I remember to look at chat and I keep chat on my phone because I don't have a second laptop to stream from. So if I want to pay attention to chat, I got to look at my phone and I'm replying on the phone. So what I what we were talking about last night is I'm going to start using my mic more and replying through the mic. Um, it might mean I'm talking over more of the music. We'll figure that out. But, you know, the engagement is why people are there. They're not there to watch some dude stare, to, stare at his controller, which is what I tend to do. And I got to get better at that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've improved so many of our skills throughout the pandemic and and through streaming. I mean, it was quite a learning curve to get into the technology of like, okay, here's how you set things up and how you deal with stuff when you're streaming. And yeah, you because you become poor Justin or have a Justin, poor poor Justin sending me these really technical articles. He's like, read this. It'll tell you everything. And my brain going, Oh man, I can't read anything. Like I have books that are on my nightstand taunting me that I would like to read, but having the the ability to just sit down and read is close to impossible. I, I love watching people like give talks and things. I can watch that. It's visual. It's engaging more than one sense. That's why. But reading for me, like I used to be able to do it as a kid, but as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder and harder. Yeah, I find if I was on transit, I'm able to read. Well, part of that is when I was a kid, also, my mom would make me read before I would go to bed to help calm me down mm-hmm. and tell me, you can keep your light on and read as long as you want. And this is once I got into insomnia land because of the ADHD, that that, did, that didn't work. I would just read all night. But I, as I've gotten older, reading has become synonymous with going to bed. So it's like, I'll read like a paragraph and fall asleep. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it takes me a while to read some books. For sure. I, I miss books. I love books. I just I do too. Need to I just carve I out the asleep. time. I need to carve out the time to to sit down and read. Uh, but otherwise, I'm kind of all over the place because I will start cleaning something and then get distracted by something else that I see, and then I start getting into that, and then that leads to another thing, and then the next thing I know, wait, I was in the middle of making a pot of coffee, and now the coffee is like bubbling at me, and it becomes this whole like avalanche of things if you're not like very careful about how you kind of move through your day and kind of take care of okay here's this thing and then here's this thing and then here's this thing and yeah uh, yeah, reading something really technical to help you with streaming is a huge challenge but again with the with the live stream I think we've picked up on various things that better help as far as making it engaging, making it interesting. So folks are looking forward to tuning in because whether they're in the chat or not, I mean, I'm appreciative when folks are just putting me on in the background so that I'm playing some music while you're taking care of whatever you're doing in your house or heck, if you're having your own dance party in your own living room, that's great. Uh, But I want to be sure that like, okay, because you can see me that I'm not just like my face in my laptop turning some, you know, levers and knobs like it's not guilty interesting to watch <laughs> i i'm more i am much more guilty of that than you are because because you can dance um i'm a you could dance if you want to you could leave your friends behind hey if your friends don't dance <laughs> if they don't <laughs> dance no friends of mine that's right <laughs> 
yeah, so silly jokes aside, uh, I've found that at least talking about this, again, it having this conversation, I think, is helpful. Uh, I, I'm happy to see it destigmatized. I've brought up ADHD at work and how I've built little habits to help in productivity when I'm dealing with my work day. And it's funny because, like, again, my parents have said, gee, this isn't really something you should be bringing up at work. And I'm like, no, this is absolutely something I should be bringing up at work because I think normalizing this is really important. It is. Because you can't ask a fish to climb a tree. Right. And our our parents are boomers and nobody talked to that. They're the generation for going, oh, they went to therapy. It's like, you know, it's everybody needs some help. Yeah. That's something. and I think having this com- and and I hope in having this episode and having this conversation uh, is helpful to someone out there. And if you see us at a live event and you don't know many other people that struggle and you feel you are, come say hi. Come come let us know if we helped because we're kind of open about this. But we're you know you don't have to tell us what's going on, but just come say hi. Yeah, we're we're mostly approachable. We don't we just look like we bite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that about wraps it up for uh, this this episode. Yeah, yeah. Again, let us know if you found this interesting or helpful. We, of course, have a Facebook page. We also have email. It's midnightsomewherepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us available on Twitch on Friday nights. That'll be 10 p.m. Toronto time. Uh, at twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. So, of course, we'd like to thank Justin Minister, our producer, for making us sound good and reminding us to speak directly into our microphones from time to time. We'd like to thank Robin Bright because our theme music, I'm Still In Love With It, two years in. And, of course, we'd like to thank Marion Green because I'm Still In Love With The Logo two years in. And I really wish we would remember to bring those fucking stickers to shows like last night. Oh, man. Uh (laughs) Well, if you want a sticker, reach out, let us know. We'll mail you one. Yeah, we'll let you know. Okay, that's it. Thanks. Until next time. Have fun storming the castle. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. It's midnight, summer. It's midnight. It's midnight, summer. This podcast was almost called I Lock My Shit Up and Go to Work.